Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Maury Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. I am unfortunately stuck with Matt for another recording, and we are here. Well, we've got a lot to unpack from Detroit, talk a little bit about Road America, and we will see where it takes us. So, Matt, was this the best doubleheader at Detroit we've seen? Yes, there's a pause in your sentence. Oh, there. sorry. Yes, Mike Jokum. Oh, yes. Are you are you mad at me because I made fun of you? Heck no. Okay, that's good. It's about time you got back at me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty rare that, I mean, usually we get a decent race and a couple memorable moments, but I'm looking at my rundown list here and it's like, good God, <laughs> we have so much to talk about. I have to go off topic though for a second. Yeah. Do you have a landline? No. Do you know of anybody under the age of 50 that has a landline? Potentially my neighbors a couple houses up. I'm pretty sure they do, but I cannot confirm. So I guess the correct answer would be probably not. Because I was trying to think. I was selling something on Facebook Marketplace, and this person said, if you need to reach me, my landline is this, which I thought was kind of unique since I was just selling some shoes. (laughs) And it got me thinking... Unless it was for work, or unless you live like literally in the middle of nowhere, what is the positives of owning a landline nowadays and paying for that? Sometimes you can get a discount, like with the Comcast Triple Play, you can save a few dollars by actually having a phone. Only line. you would know this. Literally, you're the only person I, I would know that would know this. I mean, that's fair. I'm all about saving money, and you're a fifty-five-year-old trapped in like a twenty-nine-year-old's body. I listen. I've been called worse, so I'll take that as a compliment. But so, thanks. if if Comcast offered you this, would you take it? I actually just got rid of the Comcast Triple Play bundle like literally three weeks ago. <laughs> 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 oh, no. <laughs> so I mean, technically, I did take advantage of it, but we no longer have Comcast Internet or TV. Right. I went with IndyCar Partner Verizon. Oh, yeah. See, I switched to Verizon, too, and I love it so far. Let's, uh, first big test for me, though, is this weekend at Road America. I, I it worked fine at Texas, but I, it's not – I feel like Road America – if your phone works at Road America, it can probably work in a submarine or something. Yeah, you know, cell phone reception and most racetracks is not something I've had good luck with over the years. So don't take it against Verizon if you have trouble on Sunday. Do you have 5G? No. Oh, okay. Well, when I get taken over by the government, you know, you don't, we will know why. 
Yes. Anyway, and the and the vaccine in my arm will communicate with your phone and like will get taken over or something like that. Yes. Then I will figure out your true age. Yeah. <laughs> well played. Anyways, where should we start? Well, obviously, first of all, super glad that Felix Rosenquist is okay. Yes. Yes. Very very awful crash, and not to be that guy because obviously it was very scary, and I was super glad that he was okay, but I. It, it could have been a lot worse if it was at a different part of the track. Thinking turn one or whatever turn was after the turn that he crashed down that long straight. Because that could have been, if it was at a, you know, 160 mile an hour, 170 mile an hour part of the track, especially since there's no concrete wall at the, I don't know which turn that, you know which one I'm talking yeah. about, where they can do yeah, the yeah, yeah. cut through. That's not a, there's no concrete wall down there. So I don't know how well those tire barricades would have done at stopping him. So I'm so glad he's okay. That was very terrifying. Uh, we're, as of today, Tuesday, his status for Road America has yet to be confirmed, I believe. Correct. And one other that we'll get to later on the episode. And it was confirmed. You know, you you watch the replay. Looks like a duck. Quacks like a duck. So you think it's a duck. But it was not a stuck throttle, according to the team. So that kind of absolved Chevrolet from any wrongdoing. It was a series of mechanical failures on the team's part, which I don't know if that makes me feel any better. Do you do you think they're just saying that so they deflect blame off Chevrolet and or the trans- X-Track who makes the transmission and, and they're saying, listen, we screwed up that way. IndyCar partners are satisfied, but behind the scenes they're working to fix it because... A series of team errors is a much bigger, to me, almost a bigger issue. I think it is a bigger issue, but at the same time, like we just talked about in F1 with Pirelli, you know, I don't buy the fact that they're shifting the blame for their tire failures under Red Bull and Aston Martin. I think it takes kind of some guts to say, hey, listen, it was our bad, and we're the we're at fault for putting our driver in the hospital. I think that takes kind of some courage to just straight Fair. up admit that instead yeah. of saying, yeah, it was Chevy's fault or, and, or I don't think Chevy's like throwing up some cash in their table. Just be like, Hey, take the fall for this one. Like I, I really think that they're kind of just owning up to it. So that's refreshing. If true, I do believe them. Um, but again, Felix, I know you're not listening, but I, we're glad you're okay. And we hope to see you at a track soon. So yeah, from there, I don't know, uh, if you want to talk about anything before we get to the red flag, is there anything in the middle there? I mean, there was kind of a Herta versus Harvey incident. There was, you know, Will Powers, great strategy that was working. Yeah, r- real quick, because I think the majority of the discussion from race one, which, by the way, was fantastic with so many different guys leading laps, lots of lead changes, is I'm just curious, the, the Herta and Harvey thing, I don't know what to make of that, but it really looked like Colton Herta, by his on-track actions, was not happy with where Jack Harvey was. And that could have gone seriously wrong because they had a concrete barrier three or four feet to the right. And if Jack isn't probably focused on going straight and he's looking ahead and not looking at Herta next to him, they could have both ended up in the wall. So a little... A little curious on that one. I I believe that Herta got a yield position penalty for avoidable contact. So, I mean, I'm fine, fine with that call, but I, I don't know. There, there's something just didn't seem right about that. Something didn't sit right with me. 
we didn't get context, correct? Like we don't no. know why he did that. No, that we don't know if anything happened previously on track. I don't know why Jack Harvey suddenly turned into like EJ Visa this year. <laughs> Not in like a he wrecks everybody kind of way, but it just seems like people have a general disdain for Jack Harvey for some reason. I mean, he had the Rossi incident at Texas. He had the Ray Hall incident at Texas. He's had multiple mechanics turn on him in the middle of the race with bad pit stops. He got his car, uh, car tire cut twice. Easy for me to say. In I the same you were, exact like, trying spot. Trying to sound Irish there for a second. No, I. Couldn't do that if I tried. He had it done twice, once by Sato and once by Grosjean at the same turn in the same race. And then now he's got Herta hitting him down the straightaway as of some sort of message sending. Did I miss anything there? And would we have ever been, like, recapping these many, like... And I don't... You know, some of those are kind of like, okay, Harvey, like, maybe don't put Rossi in the grass at Texas kind of thing. And other yeah. of those is like, hey, I don't know what you did to Herta to piss him off. And didn't in in race two, he had a cut tire at some point too. Yeah, so he had Grosjean, and Grosjean was like halfway through the race, and then Sato yeah, yeah, was yeah. lap one. But he had the caution, so it was kind of a moot one. But I don't know. I didn't know about the Sato one until I saw the IndyCar video today, and I'm like, oh wow, Sato just blatantly just cut his tire right there. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. I'm sorry. That's the one I was thinking of, and I just couldn't remember what race it was from for a for a second there. Yeah. I, I don't think there's too much to say, but geez, Jack Harvey is just like seriously. Somebody has like a, a target painted on him at at all times. Yeah, maybe we should make him one and bring it to Road America. All right, well then let's get to the red flag. So Grosjean crashes with I think five laps to go. Yeah. So let's do this uh, two parter here. So cars come down to the pits. They all stop. They reposition some of the cars so they get the lap traffic out of the way. So this is with five laps to go, and we do have a bit of a precedent with this. I think the f- first one, to my knowledge, no, they didn't go red flag that year. Was the the twenty fourteen Indy five hundred? I think Ray Hall crashed with like five laps to go or something, and they instead of going a red flag or whatever, they like had the pace car go at like thirty miles an hour for <laughs> two yeah. laps so they could to get in the show. Um, I do think there's been a recent one. That's escaping me where they just like threw red flag. There's there's been a few. Somebody was telling me on Twitter about a few, and naturally now that we're we're recording, I don't have it pulled up because why would I why would I have that ready? But yes. Yeah, but it's it's just interesting because, you know, it's not the first time IndyCar's done it. And then we literally just had this a week ago with Formula One at Baku, where they also threw red flag. So part one is is this an okay precedent with you to for the sake of finishing under green? Like, are you okay with them throwing a red flag and then having basically two to three laps to go to finish the race? Last year, the Indy 500 ended under yellow because of the magnitude of Pickett's crash with the attenuator, and they weren't going to be able to get that repaired in a reasonable amount of time. So they thought, you know what, by the time we get green, there's going to be one lap left, and, and we're not going to do that. Everybody gets angry. This year, we throw a red flag. Everybody's angry. I think everybody, any car fans, are just going to be angry. Period. No matter what. But maybe the do you know who you're talking about? I know. I know. That being said, IndyCar, and this has kind of come out multiple times in the drivers' meetings pre-race, has has maintained for a while now 
if we can find a way to finish under green, we're going to try to find a way to finish under green. If that means slowing down to 30 miles an hour on the pace car so you can get in three final laps or going red to have four laps to finish, you know, yes. And I think there's, pro- there's, there's a window of laps remaining that is, is a cutoff where it goes, okay, red to avoid finishing under you know, full course yellow. So I don't have an issue if, if that's what the, the precedent is based on everything IndyCar has said. I'm totally fine with it. They are consistent with it. So, yeah. So I agree with you. But what do you say to those who may suggest that, oh, that's a manufactured finish. Oh, we need to authentic finishes. Uh." I that's a good question. (laughs) I wasn't expecting you to ask that. So I did not I did not think about that beforehand. But you're not manufacturing a finish with four laps left. You're, you're manufacturing a finish when you build in a stage break or you build in playoffs or you build in X, Y, and Z. The race is not, if, if the race is not going past 70 laps, it's not like they said, Ooh, we need five more laps left and we're on lap 68. So we're going to change this to 73 laps. So I don't think they're manufacturing anything by sticking with, what they've said is if we can finish under green, we're finishing under green. So again, I agree with you, but just to further the discussion and to put you through the misery of oh debating, yeah. what is the difference between a red flag with four laps to go and continuing the race and doing a green-white checkered? A green-white checkered is... Okay, can you ask that... Actually, can you ask that question again? Sure. What is the difference between... You know, the car's rolling under yellow. Then, you know, let's say Grosjean's accident took 15 laps to clean up. They're just rolling under yellow for 15 laps. And then once they get to go ahead and they reshuffle the field, it's like, all right, we're going to go back to green. And they're just going to do, we're going to do one green lap. If you guys make it through, we're going to do the white flag. Then we're going to do the check flag. What's the difference between doing that and then throwing the, or throwing the red flag with four laps to go and then just saying, all right, we'll get this under once we get going again? Well, if you're rolling around under, under, yellow for x amount of laps everybody's going to waste an unnecessary amount of fuel so and to bridge gaps yes would you rather nascar do that then instead yeah if let's say so and so wrecked with five laps to go would you rather them just red flag it instead of doing the 16 overtimes oh 100 percent. because i think that's another thing that people are going like yeah that's a little gimmicky nascar ish and i kind of see their point listen i i see their point but Listen, there's and we could spend all day debating NASCAR rules, but we don't need to get into NASCAR, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) there's no state, there's no manufactured stage breaks. If it gets to lap seventy or it gets to lap sixty-eight of seventy, and they go, you know what, this this isn't worth two laps of green flag. We're going to end under yellow. They were going to end under yellow, but they had enough time. They were in the window to red flag it and, and go green. So, I. I don't have an issue with it and, and don't think it's manufactured. I understand where people are coming from, but I would say they're wrong. Fair enough. Now on to part two with Will Power, Aww. who probably disagrees with everything you just said, of even course. though he's not listening. He probably doesn't want to listen to this one. Um, no. Well, he doesn't want to listen to you pick him over and over again. I haven't picked. I've only picked him once this year, I think. And I think he crashed or had something, his car caught no, I think fire. He, I something. think he finished in the top 10. It wasn't like a great finish. but Well, 
that's neither here nor there. I'm just assuming, based on your history, that it didn't yeah. go well. I mean, that's I'm just that's our predictions for the first time. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> so then there's the other side of the argument, which is Will Power, who was very frustrated, and then had some choice words for race control, who said they never listen. Which I'm actually have queued up on one of my questions to ask maybe a driver to this weekend if, yeah. if they share the same thoughts. Obviously, sucks for Power. Any thoughts, comments, anything? Yeah, I I feel for him. I think the well, it's ironic that what he thought was the issue why his car wasn't starting had nothing to do with why his car wasn't starting. I don't know if you saw that, and I can explain it if you didn't see it. No, I I mean I saw the article. I did not think to click on it and read it because okay. I'm uneducated. I know. We'll get there <laughs> in a second, but. Listen, he was calling for a fan. Everybody thought he was calling for a fan for himself because he was hot. He was calling for a fan because he thought the ECU would overheat. And all these people on social media are going, IndyCar doesn't care about driver safety. They were just waiting for everybody to get back into pit lane. And Power didn't even want a fan for himself. He wanted it for the car. So the keyboard warriors just need to just need to have a beer and relax a little bit. Part two, I'll, I'll explain briefly the issue, and you know, then you can, you can jump in. Essentially, the issue comes down to when an IndyCar shuts down, the ECU goes through a, a shutdown mode and a reboot mode like any computer does. And if the shutdown process kind of gets out of whack, you know, like when a computer gets the, the vaunted blue screen of death or you have a computer issue and you have to restart it that's essentially what happened to powers ecu it did not shut down in the correct order so therefore they had they essentially would have had to like take it out and reprogram it in order for it to actually restart so there was nothing that the team could have done on pit lane there he would have never gotten restarted so it had nothing to do with the heat it had nothing to didn't he finish power yeah, I thought he didn't. They get him going. Yeah, again? they did get him going again. Sorry, but it had it took it took him. It was a complicated fix. It yeah. wasn't like a ten second fix. Right, is what right. You're trying yes. To say. Sorry, it. I uh, I was kind of getting a little bit ahead of myself there. So that being said, it had nothing to do with the ECU overheating. And listen, I feel for willpower. He, d- I don't like to use the word deserved very very often, but. The dude deserved to win because they that team put on a great strategy and got him to the front, and he got robbed. But for those complaining, oh, IndyCar didn't get the fan out there in time, blah, 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 they followed the same red flag rules they followed for every red flag, and Will Power's issue had diddly squat to do with the heat. Yeah, I think it's one of those racing giveth and racing takes a, taketh away yeah. kind of things. So it happens to everybody. Unfortunately, you know, drivers have been in winning positions before only to get robbed. So it's not like the first time we've seen it. I guess, you know, the I could see the argument that had there not been a red flag, he would have been just fine. And we don't technically know that. Like it could have failed with three laps to go while he was running at pace. We, we don't know that for a fact. It's just... Uh, it's one of those things that it's kind of just a what if. We could spend all day talking about what ifs, but it happened. We haven't even said Marcus Erickson. Congrats on his first career win. Whether it was handed to him or not, 
it was still an impressive drive to get up to oh, there. Yeah. And he showed pace all weekend. So it's always good to have another first-time winner, which is what, our third this year? Fourth? Polo, VK, Pato. Pato, and now Erickson. That's crazy. And no, Grosjean did not hit him on his way to his win, so that was cool. <laughs> Where do you want to go next? Well, that's a great question. Are we talking race one specifically or just kind of wherever we want to go with well, Detroit? Well, I could, I could tee you up for one if yeah, you want. Go, yeah, go ahead. NBC. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to say one thing first. So, obviously, we all turned on NBC on Saturday and lacrosse was on. Many people kind of lost their lid, including myself, for all <laughs> of a half a lap. Well, now I don't have to call you out anymore. You don't have to call me out. I was wrong. It was really dumb of me to complain. I did not delete the tweet. I left it up there. But it was, in hindsight... Is that the one that got, like, 40 favorites? I don't know. I will look while while you're talking in a second. You have a lot of... You have a popular regret. Yeah. You're still famous yeah. for that. But I don't think it was really that big of a deal, especially when you consider... They stayed with IndyCar through the entire red flag and finish. Yes, we didn't get any post-race. They said the post-race was going to be on the NBC Sports app, and it wasn't. So there was clearly a little bit of a miscommunication of sorts there. But, I mean, honestly, really not a big deal to me. We got all the quotes we needed to see. Then Sunday, we had was it tennis at the, at the start. The French, French Open, Open, yes. Yes. So the first 25, 30% of the race was on CNBC. The rest then was on NBC. If you know how to use Google or you went to NBC and saw tennis and know how to use Google, you could have figured out where the race was. Instead, we had 8,000 posts on social media about how NBC is the worst and should never, IndyCar should never use them again or something. Honestly, I had to stop reading because it just... Peep those ratings today, yeah, eh? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, I think the outrage was a bit unnecessary, including when I got a little testy. It's not like I even cursed or anything. I just was like, what the hell? I hear I have, I had the driver radio on, but I, I see lacrosse. And... I mean, I saw a lacrosse overtime goal, and it was a nice shot, I think. I mean, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear your analysis of the lacrosse, lacrosse goal. Game. The guy went into the center area and shot the ball by the goalie. So That was like my description of baseball in the last episode <laughs> of F1 we just did. So, listen, it, it is what it is. Nobody's perfect. Also, the tennis ratings were either just a touch above or a touch below the IndyCar ratings. Seriously? Yes. Look at Eric Smith's Twitter, Eric, uh, Eric Race, Race Review oh, I know Online. I'm yeah. just trying to think of his yeah, Twitter, I and I like totally drew a blank. So sorry, Eric. There's only one Eric Smith, even though I bet there are quite literally 10,000 Eric Probably, Smiths. Probably, yes. So <laughs> that being said, I hope, he, I hope he's listening. I am, <laughs> I, am, I am digging for this tweet as I talk. I've gone back too far. Did I actually? So he says, if I'm reading reports correctly, Sunday's race was essentially a 1.4, and French Open, by all accounts, was a 1.6. Or, sorry, those are millions, not the the rating. So 1.4 million versus 1.6 million. Wow. I'm being honest, though. 
I think the French Open still has a little bit of more of a lure than the Belle Isle Detroit Grand Prix sure. sponsored by Chevrolet Cadillac DPI. I don't know whatever acronyms <laughs> they throw on there. So I totally get it. And it's not like, you know, like you said, they stuck with the red flag race one. Per, did they go outside the window for Elio's win? No, probably not because there wasn't any caution. Yeah, so I don't think to. they would have gone outside the w- So, yeah. I uh, I give them the benefit of the doubt. I think uh, it was our buddy George who I think offered the best analysis of the situation that said that they didn't do a good job of scheduling. Right. I think the the problem was avoidable by not giving yourself more time for a major tennis open. I think they gave themselves like three hours, which is basically you banking them doing it in four, like maybe three and a half sets. Like you can get three and a half sets within three hours, but that's a pretty tight window. And then IndyCar goes, and then that's another tight window because NHL's on right after that. So they could have done a better job of spreading it out a little bit probably. And I know there's a lot of – they have to juggle a lot to do that. So how they handled it – after the fact, you know, as it was happening, I didn't have a problem with. You know, they moved to CNBC. I think it's a fair compromise. Most people should have CNBC. I think I, yeah. But m- I think better pre-planning is the answer. I think how they actually handled it, I didn't really have an issue with it. It was, it was a tad bit annoying, but at the end of the day, like, the ratings were fine. I think the so only thing hopefully you could have done is add a graphic like, hey, if you're looking for IndyCar, go to CNBC. But then again... If you go to N- if you go to NBC and you see something you're not expecting, go to the Google, type in where is IndyCar, <laughs> and you probably find it pretty quick. So, yeah, like I'd be lost without Twitter. I wouldn't have my Xbox Series X without yeah. Twitter. And these are the kind of moments where Twitter is super. Yes, Twitter handy. got me my Xbox. They too. could also hear me out. They could also go through this process where they build this thing called an app, and then on this app, they could display like tv shows like the office or wwe or live sports that they also have the rights to and so on this app they could have put the race live on this app that people are already paying for stop for you to watch without commercials while there's an interruption to the broadcast stop schedule. speaking with so much logic matthew it's really not okay. welcome well, i'm just spitballing i don't know if anybody's ever thought to do that you know this app idea maybe i should bring that to somebody but the olds won't like that well, do you like that? I do. Well, you're not an old then. That's the first time you've said that. All right. Well, anyways, I've teed you up for a bunch of rants, so let's move on to race two and tee me up with something so I can get unnecessary amounts of frustration that I don't have off race my chest. Race two. A little, little bit more of a quote-unquote calmer race. Obviously, we saw Oliver Askew step in with Alex Polo's shoes, Juan Montoya's race suit, but... And this is kind of a, a, a weekend in general discussion that I'm going to tee you up for. So Jimmy Johnson qualifies towards the back on whenever qualifying was, Saturday morning, let's say. Practice on Friday, He's let's say he's running a lap around a minute and 19 seconds a lap. Qualifying Saturday morning, he's about a 117 per lap, and... By and I don't have his fastest lap of the race on Sunday, but by the end of Sunday's race and Saturday, he was running good lap times before he had a uh, uh, throttle issue, I believe. And then I looked at social media on Sunday while he was a lap down. I think at one point he spun, yeah, he spun in turn two and brought out the yellow flag. 
And somebody said, are we giving Jimmy Johnson too much of a grace period or something sim- something like that? Kind of just saying, like, Jimmy Johnson, like, pretty much said, like, Jimmy Johnson's, like, the worst IndyCar driver ever, which, whatever. So, I'll I'll let you take that. I'll, I'll tee that up for you and let you take it in whatever direction you want. I just, you know, you and I and Jess talked before the season about how our expectations for Johnson were very low and that we needed to treat him as any other rookie. And obviously he's a unique rookie. And I think it also hurts that his team is doing so well. You now have, you know, Erickson's never won a race. He wins this year. Plo is a second-year driver. He wins and is pretty much one of the main protagonists for the championship. And then the GOAT over there doing GOAT things. So he's stepping into a team that has high expectations. That doesn't matter. And it also doesn't matter that he's a seven-time champion. He is a rookie in a series in which he has had limited testing time for one reason or another. I think primary the primary reason is because there is also a pandemic still going on. So that affects the schedule and all the sorts of travel and things like that. You know, back in the winter slash, slash spring when we were still in, you know, kind of a somewhat lockdown state, depending on where you lived. And the expectation that he can have, you know, I don't know how many laps he said, couple hundred he showed up to barber with a couple hundred laps under his belt and we're honestly expecting a guy who hasn't driven an open wheel car and god knows how long to what contend for wins it was just never going to happen and like you said 119 on day one not a great time if yeah. we're being honest 117 every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Team in day two. That's not terrible. And it's also Detroit. Detroit's a hella hard track to learn. I mean, we saw guys who'd never been there. I mean, Polo qualified, what, like 23rd yeah, in race one? Granted, he did come back right. to podium, but, you know, he had a lot of time. He had, a, he had a whole day of testing on Saturday to learn the track and get up to speed. 
so that he could come back on Sunday and, you know, knock it out of the park. I think I'm not, not going to say that he's going to do well at Road America, but at least it's somewhere he's tested before and has somewhat comfortability coming into the race. I still think he's going to qualify in the yes. bottom five, but I don't think he's going to be like on the threshold of like the 107% rule or anything like that. So I think it's a horrendous take. I think a guy jumping from one discipline to the next and not being completely embarrassed out there. I mean, he's had a couple incidents, and yes, he's qualifying pretty much at the back, DFL yeah. every race, but it's okay. I mean, he's learning. I think the 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 judgment should really start like a third of the way into next season. I think that's where we can honestly go like, okay, is this actually working now, or is this becoming a bit of a farce? Yeah. I'm going to end this discussion with a quote from esteemed Alexander Rossi. This is a stupid take. The dude, like, in the offseason, tested with, like, F4 cars, F3 cars, whatever, you know, whatever open-wheel car he could get his hands on. And while the effort, you know, does not go unnoticed, and I'm sure really helped him, just power-wise, technology-wise, tire wise just doesn't compare to an indie car so it's it you're asking a lot of a dude who's done who's driven uh, a 5000 pound car for the last 20 something years to now go into a much lighter open wheel car that just has completely different driving characteristics so it's not like James Davison or Connor Daly or a couple other guys who have kind of, you know, bounced back and forth a little bit, but mainly have been open wheel or I guess Davidson now mainly NASCAR, but it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy by any stretch. Like I'm not, you know, obviously we are not professional race car drivers, but hypothetically saying we were, if we did something for 20 years and then switched to another racing series, we couldn't do it. I can't drive an Indy car. Now I can guarantee you I would finish below everybody so i think yeah that's the thing too is you know as as much as i rip on guys like kellett he would drive yeah. circles around me and it wouldn't be it would not be close he would beat me at a track by like 75 yes, seconds easily so easily. i guess kind of the other thing is and this might kind of segue into talking about road america a, a little bit actually before before we get there we are, what are we, seven or eight, seven races into the season now? How many races? We are eight races into the season now. Right. And we either have 16 races or 17. Honestly, I get the feeling it's just going to be 16. I feel like if we had a doubleheader at Mid-Ohio, we would hear about it soon, which means we'll probably hear about it the day after we record because that's just the way the world works. But... We are halfway through the season, and the top 10 in points, and I'm not going to go through all of them. I'm just going to go through, are we really at a changing kind of changing of the power here? Pato Award is leading by a point. Alex Pillow is second. Dixon and Newgarden. VK is tied for fifth. Marcus Erickson is seventh. And Herda is ninth. So a lot of young guns mixed in there, and obviously – Joseph Newgarden in fourth is by no means a elderly IndyCar driver, but he's firmly a veteran at this point. 
and it came up on Twitter, and I think it came up on our one of our off-season episodes that do we have a big three, you know, with Penske, Andretti, Ganassi, and who would be kind of the next team to to enter there? And uh, David team pit lane member David Lighting said that Aero, McLaren, Schmidt, Peterson is maybe in contention from there, and you guys were discussing it back and forth while I was out and about on Sunday afternoon. So I'm going to tee it up this way after talking about kind of the young guns in the championship. If you had to pick between Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, who has two guys in the top 10, 8th and 10th in Ray Hall and Sato, and Ferrucci, who had double top 10s this weekend, or McLaren who has Pato leading the championship, two wins, two poles, six top fives and six top tens in eight races. Who is your who is your leading contender to to jump in there? First of all, can I say how funny it is that Ferrucci's beating Hinchin points? I was gonna I was gonna mention that after we got to the that, that point that Ferrucci is beating multiple full time drivers in, in points right now. So I think it's kind yes. of funny. <laughs> So the answer to your question, in my opinion, is that Pato is the, I would, especially with the potential he has, I mean, Ray Hall's a hell of a driver, but I would say right now, if I'm picking one driver to lead my team out of the McLaren stable and the Ray Hall stable, that I am taking Pato. Okay. He's the guy leading my team. However, I still think Ray Hall is the better team because they have the ability to get all of their drivers in a contending position to finish in the top 10. Takuma Sato's in the top 10. Takuma Sato also won an Indy 500 with the team last year. Santino Ferrucci on a part-time schedule has three top 10s, including the Indy 500 in the Indy 500 in a car that he crashed. And then in Detroit in a car that he crashed. Now that may be a separate story, but so far Ferrucci is doing very well in the race might need to stop crashing, but you know, if you bring the result home in the race and I'm curious to see, I, cause what do we, what does IndyCar classify as full-time entry? Like, is there a leader circle implication here? If they keep this entry going and they continue to kick the can out of Hinch and Kellett. I'd have to look, but I think to be eligible for leader circle, you have to enter every race. So at this point, I don't think it would okay. matter. That's a bummer because I think that'd be kind of funny. I think they should change that to, you know, minimum of, I would say minimum of 66%. Oh, you just had to one-up me, yes, didn't I you? Did. But yeah, I think as far as I'm concerned, I think Ray Hall is the better team because they're the more complete team. Why hasn't McLaren made this second entry work since Wickens left? Or sorry, since Wickens' accident. Since Wickens is no longer piloting the car. Because, you know, Munoz stepped in right after Wickens left and he struggled at the two races he got. Fair enough. I mean, he was Tough situation. You know, very green. Yeah, tough situation for everybody. And then Erickson came in and had a decent result here and there, but wasn't exactly lighting the place up. Askew got fired after one season. Rosenquist has not done anything outside of Texas 1. He's kind of been absent pretty much everywhere. Sounded like he had a pretty decent result going in Detroit 1, but I don't know. To me, you can't be a great team if you have one car with an experienced driver and a talented driver 
not up to par. And you got the other driver who's leading the championship. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, I see your point. I'm still going to take the guy who's consistently contending for polls and championships as the team to beat. But I, I see your point. I just realized we are almost 40 minutes in and we have not made fun of our predictions from last week. So we'll get to that in a, in a oh hot gosh. second, but I'm taking McLaren. I think you can, I, I, I think Pato is obviously shown he's the real deal. And I think McLaren has really gotten over some pit stop hurdles and strategy hurdles that hurt award a couple times last year and, and have really made big gains there this year. So I will, I, I will, I will take lightning side, but I do, I do see where you're coming from. I mean, and hats off to Santino Ferrucci for literally helping put the car back together Sunday morning when they were building the spare car. I think he was like doing the vinyl wrap on the, on the sides or, or something along those lines. But with that being said, before we discuss road America for a couple minutes, Matt, can you make fun of me for my predictions? Can I get your take on two McLaren things real yes. quick? Are you okay with their pick of Vasquez as yes. a replacement? Okay. No issues there based on the beef in the past. Think it was a good idea. Listen, he's at he's at the track every weekend doing driver coaching for Indy Lights, so he's he's there, which is uh, uh, obviously a big thing and as I think Taylor Kyle said before Sunday, they literally have his, you know, height and weight and measurements seat inserts and everything so it requires the least amount of effort to you know you don't have to do a seat fitting or anything like that so it's it's a very easy i don't want to say plug and play because obviously it's still plenty of work went involved to get askew in the car but it's the easiest option and then secondly do you think there needs to be more scrutineering of this uh supposed ability they have to make their tires <laughs> ultra hot under yellow which causes them to have amazing restarts or do you think it's other teams just uh, it's whining? other teams just whining so you have no issue like if 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 they pass tech there's no correct. issue correct okay. predictions so we did have shannon on last week that was awesome i uh, really enjoyed that so she had some predictions too so uh race or sorry for the whole weekend our good predictions was i had heard a <clears throat> uh 14th and fourth so I don't know where it went wrong in race one, but he was looking good until he wasn't. Uh, you had Polo. That is 15th and third, so kind of the Pretty same ballpark. Yeah. One good, one not so good. Uh, Shannon had Harvey, uh, 16th and 19th, so unfortunately not. And then Dixon, who was 7th and 8th. So consistent, but not exactly lighting it up. Somehow kept it out of the wall, yeah. though, in race yeah, two. I don't know yeah. how that happened. Bad. I had VK second in race one and then couldn't stop hitting <laughs> things in race two. I don't know what was going on there, but he was like a magnet out there. So he finished 18th. You had Jones. That is now low-hanging fruit going yeah. forward. Yeah. Although he did finish ninth in the first race, which I think was his first top ten of the year. And then in second race, apparently some sort of shock damper thing that went wrong. I don't want to be that guy. I'm not a tinfoil hat kind of guy, but it seems like there's constantly excuses being made for why that entry is not finishing yep. as high as it should be. So I don't know about that one. 
And then Shannon had Rossi, P7 race one. 13. And P13 race two. Um, do we start after adjusting our expectations for Rossi? Maybe we'll save that for another day. But I think the results are in line, unfortunately, with where his season's yes. kind of been. And then Dark Horse, I had Hinge. <laughs> uh, 17th and 14th. Yeah, I deserve that. You had Daily, 13th and 15th. And then Shannon had Ray Hall, who finished 5th and 5th. Although... He's pretty good. I don't know. Dark Horse might be generous. Let's let's take out Shannon from the equation for a second here. Was this our all-around worst IndyCar picks ever? It was tough, though. I mean, this wasn't normal Detroit. Normal Detroit is Roger Penske being like, this is my backyard, and slamming his fist on the concrete and then it shattering into 50 pieces and then him repaving it Somebody within like an three seconds. Roger Penske slamming concrete just so we can put it up on social media. We have a lot of guys in PLPGP that can... Photoshop, but I don't know about gifts. That's that's all right. Well, do we have any uh, pit lane shoutouts that we need to do before we get to Road America? Yeah, let's let's go with Mike Silver, uh, since I mentioned him earlier. David Lighting, and last but not least, how about both your parents and Jess's parents, who are still members? Wow, hi all parents. Yeah, it's a parents. thanks for thanks for subscribing. And if my parents are listening, uh, let's let's uh, let, let's let's the hold up. <laughs> oh, all right gauntlet's been thrown all right so road america this is the first race that you and i will be at together since iowa so if you see us in the paddock in our i don't know what you're wearing i'm wearing my black yes. polo when i'm on duty and drinking beer when i'm off duty so if you see us say hi we are going to talk to some drivers kind of covering things within the paddock and in the pit lane Food reviews, and I'll be having some beer. You're staying at off the track, which is lame. I'll still um, I'll still visit and have a drink, but okay. All right. So uh, if you are on the fence about going to Road America, and you are listening to this, when is this coming out? Thursday or Friday? Thursday. All right. If you're listening to this on Thursday and you're on the fence about going, life's short. 2020 sucked. Just go. Yeah, and I mean, just do it. You you might run into you probably will run into us. There is a jam packed weekend of action in Indy Lights. Actually, all three road to Indy levels are running all weekends. There's a evening or late afternoon Indy car practice at 5 p.m. Eastern, I think, on Friday, and then obviously practice and qualifying on Saturday, mixed in with. Road Indy races all weekend, and those radical cup odd looking cars are also racing throughout the weekend. So there is a ton going on, and who knows? Maybe we'll try to do some sort of like meetup wherever the wherever the fan zone is, wherever like the or the merch shops are and whatnot. Maybe I'll. It's right next to the paddock from the bridge that's over the front stretch. So somewhere in that general area, probably. So obviously, Road America has some of the best track food in the country, in my opinion. So there's there's a lot to do there. It's a cool town too. There's some cool restaurants and bars nearby. So it's definitely you know if if you can get there within a reasonable amount of time and 
you don't have to fly because I'm sure flights are probably real expensive at this point, but it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely worth it. It's one of my favorite places to go. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably going to be the highlight of my summer, if I'm being honest. So got a couple of side notes to get to before we get to predictions. So yep. obviously Road America is amazing. We know that. So first of all, we hope Renus VK is doing okay. He got into a cycling accident today and injured his collarbone. We do not know the extent of the injury or really kind of what happened. We do know that he is, by all accounts, okay. It's just uh, his collarbone that's the primary concern, but it's not like, you know, traumatic brain injury or anything like yeah. that. So that's positive to, at, at, at the very least. So, you know, we've we've not the first time we've seen an Ed Carpenter racing driver come to Road America with a collarbone injury. Uh, however, this one is very, uh, sh- you know, kind of last minute. So we do not know a whole lot today, Tuesday. I'm sure the team is either going through the stages of making an announcement or, you know, getting all clear from IndyCar for him to race this weekend. So as of today, Tuesday, what chances do you give VK of racing on Sunday? I'll go 60-40 that he races. I think maybe Ed Ed Carpenter racing from what they learned to you know, whether it be padding or whatever for New Garden when he had his Texas accident a couple of years ago that they can use now. So that could help him if he's injured. But I mean, I think the big big thing is does IndyCar clear him? And even if they do, does he have the I don't want to say pain tolerance because he's a tough kid. It is he able to you know, drive the car remotely competitively because if, if he just can't handle it, which is totally okay, collarbone injury is nothing to joke about, he should probably just sit out around, which would obviously hurt his championship odds, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go, I, I think there's a good chance he races, but it's, it's real tough to call with the way they're quietly wording everything. Yeah, I was going to say like 30 70 okay. that he races. I don't unfortunately have the most hope in the world. And then, then, you know, obviously my mind drifts to then, you know, like a substitute. Who who might that look like? I think the one that kind of floated to the top for me was Sage Karam. And he'll, he will but, be in uh, Road America. Yes, I do know that he's going to be coaching Trey Burke. So obviously I hope Renus does race. It's definitely not my wish to see him not race, but it's, yeah, like you said, just based on the wording and, you know, Colorado's nothing to joke around with, especially when you're going to a track like Road America with high loads under braking. That can't feel good on the body on a normal day, especially if you're carrying an injury like that. You know, I don't know how Newgarden did it, but I don't know. That guy was, guy was nuts. But so that's something to keep our eyes on. We will obviously tweet out whatever we find out, but you probably know by now, so congrats on beating us to the punch there and then um cody Ware is making his debut this weekend at road america in the third coin car um so at the risk of having a conversation that we know is the outcome of said conversation if we just sit here and have a cody Ware talking about session i'm gonna pose it to you a different way uh who's gonna finish highest cody Ware, dalton keller or jimmy johnson cody Ware. You're kidding. I'm, you, you know what? Hot take. Cody Ware. Let's go. Let's go, Cody. All right. No, no, no. Yeah, you can say that. Okay. Fine. You said that. All right. Now back it up. Then why is Cody Ware going to be Dalton Kellett and Jimmy Johnson? I have nothing to go on 
other than like Jimmy. You're just doing it for the lol. Pretty much. He did test at Road America a couple weeks ago. He did test at Sebring, so it's not the very first time he's ever been in in an Indy car. Yes, he is pretty much learning on the fly. Yes, Road America is not an easy track to learn, but I I have nothing to go on other than I'm making a hot take to make a hot take. I'm being completely honest with you. I have no facts to back this up on. He's a good social media follow. I'll, I'll give him that. All right. Well, I'll go with Jimmy, okay. I guess. I'm not picking Dalton. Yeah, I kind of figured. Uh, so I'll go with Jimmy and see how that goes. Do we have anything else? I mean, so obviously we didn't even say Pat 01, Detroit 2, so that's awesome. So he's actually the championship leader now. I did say that. Oh, you did? Who do you see coming out of the weekend with the championship lead? Oh, boy. Well, we have, just to recap at the top five, Pato's up by one on Polo. Dixon is back by 36, Newgard. So it's either... Award and Palo have disastrous weekends and Dixon wins. Right. Or is it Pato or Palo? I'm going to say Pato. Pato had a good Road America last year, so I think he keeps it up. Palo also had a good Road America last year because he got his first career podium. Fair. So I'll go with Palo just because you said Pato. All right. All right. That's All right. Well, let's just do the predictions. Yeah, and real quick before we get there, the race, just so, so you don't have to Google, guys, I'm going to make it easy for you. <laughs> Obviously, this is subject to change. The race is on NBCSN, green flag around 1240 Eastern. Qualifying is on Peacock. Starts at 230 Eastern. Fast 6 is 330 Eastern. And then it looks like there's actually a final practice Saturday night after qualifying, if I'm reading the schedule correctly, on the IndyCar app. So if the IndyCar app is wrong, guys, just use Google and figure it out. What's Google? Also, why did you read all that in Eastern when you're going to be in the Central Time Zone and Wisconsin is in the Central because Time the Zone? Because the IndyCar app has it in the Eastern Time Zone. You're just one of those people that has to always read it in Eastern. I even started texting you in Eastern, and you're still getting confused. I, well, listen, nobody nobody ever said I was the best, smartest person ever. It's like I'm trying to make your life easy by just saying, hey, we're recording at 730. You're like, is that my time or your time? It's a fair question. Whatever. All right. Well, who's doing good this weekend? Let's go with championship leader Pato Award. Soft. All right. I'm going to go with Joseph. Okay. Good bet. Who's doing bad? Go. Let's say you said Ed Jones is a low-hanging fruit, right? Yes. You have to stop picking. Okay. I'm going to say that Marcus Erickson has a bad weekend. Oh. I know. Sorry, Marcus. I I like you, but all right. Well, just because I picked him for my uh, dark horse pick last week, I think James Hinchcliffe is going to have a poor finish this weekend. Okay. Do we need to put any other predictions on paper? Yeah, dark 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 horse top ten, dark horse sure, dark horse to make the fast six, whatever you want to do both. No, let's just do top okay. ten. Dark horse to make the top ten. Go ahead. I will say I'll go with Bourdais. Good pick. Okay, got to go with my backup pick here. I'm going to go Ryan Hunter-Ray, Dark Horse, to make the top 10 based on Absolutely. how the season's gone. All right, I'll go Ryan Hunter-Ray. I really wanted to pick Cody Ware there, but that's just too that's too hot takey for me to be yes. remotely successful. 
I also I'm genuinely curious to see how Grosjean does this weekend because you know Barber's natural and kind of maybe something he'd be used to experiencing yeah. in Europe, but Road America is got to be like the most european american track there is minus the enormous amounts of runoff that road america doesn't (laughs) have it's pretty much as european as you're gonna find so i wonder if that'll make his because obviously he's tested there too but i wonder if that makes his transition to road america any easier yeah very well said well we'll wrap it up there guys come find us if you're at the track if not stay tuned for some extra interview episodes over the weekend or maybe bleeding into early next week and look at our social media. If we do any sort of fan meetup, enjoy the weekend. I'll be back on the road pretty much for the remainder of the season now. So if you're going to be at a race, let me know and I will definitely try to say hello, but have a lovely weekend of racing guys. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O and let them know that we sent you there. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.